All right, ladies and gentlemen, welcome back to another episode of the 700 Pelham Road Podcast. My name is Caleb Williams. I'm alongside Jalen Cooper for episode eight after a two-week hiatus from recording. Jalen, how are you doing tonight? I'm doing good, doing good. It's been a pretty easy day today. Um, can't ever complain about having a pretty simple day. Yeah, yeah, no kidding. Mondays with no work, that's a it's a big day for us. Oh, yeah. You know it. Especially, you know, getting a nice chance to kick back after a loaded weekend of college football. Mm-hmm. Yeah, not a lot of... Not a lot of great games this last weekend. Um, surprisingly, the game I thought was going to get ugly the most ended up being the best with Auburn Ole Miss. Oh, yeah. Honestly, outside of a few questionable OC play calls, that was probably one of the better games this weekend. Um, a few is uh, I was rather kind. <laughs> Yeah, they had that game, um, and then all of a sudden they just stopped doing what was working, and it was like, oh, okay. Yeah, it'd be like that, though. Um, so, two weeks off of recording, um, just because the weekday schedules really messed us up. Um, uh, so there's a lot to talk about for Jacksonville State, so I guess we might as well go ahead and start with the Liberty game. Um mm. Uh, I don't know, Jalen, what do you have to say about that? I mean, honestly, if we look at performance top to bottom, you honestly couldn't have asked for much more. 17-13, we were down 17-13 going into the fourth. And considering losing, I guess, QB1A and QB1B back-to-back, and having to throw in a redshirt freshman who had never had any live game snaps against arguably the best team on our schedule outside of possibly South Carolina, but I don't even think they're the best team on our schedule this year. Um, but, yeah, throwing a redshirt freshman in to that, it, it's a tough task, um, especially because, you know, their defense is not one that you can just – carve up and down the field easily. Um, but, I mean, he did he did a good job for being thrown in there on, you know, such short notice. The next man up mentality was surely in effect. And, you know, he did what he could do. But, like I said, being a redshirt freshman thrown into the middle of that game, not expecting at all to play, that, that that's a hard situation. Yeah. Shout out to Ashton because, you know, all preseason, really the first few weeks we heard – um, we heard that Tayshawn Smoot was going to be that number three guy. Um, and so I was shocked to see Ashton come in. But, I mean, he, like you said, he handled it about as well as he could um, for a guy who literally has never played a snap at the collegiate level. Um, um, and you get thrown in against the best team in the conference and a potential, you know, uh, New York Six participant, depending on what happens at Air Force and Tulane. Um, I mean, you couldn't have asked for much more than for him to, you know, just lay it out on the field, and he did. I mean, it just right now, at that point, it just came down to we're you know, your number three guy. But yeah, I mean, credit to him because um, he really could have shrunk, and he didn't. Um, 
And so that gives us some some thoughts for the next couple of years as we see the roster turnover. Um, you know, look forward to seeing how he plays. Yeah. Um, I, I guess the only other thing I really have to say about that game is, you know, going back and looking at some of the team's stats, I get we play a very up-tempo offense, but when time of possession is 40-20 to Liberty, you can't give that offense the ball for that long um, because they're just going to wear you down, and that's what happened. Our defense was good for the first three quarters of the game, and then, you know, only being able to sit on the sideline for two minutes max, it, it just – it wears on you and eventually you're just going to break down. Um, and, you know, that's what happened. Them having to be on the field 40 minutes of a 60-minute game just is never ideal. No, it's not. Um, I mean, that game was just kind of the, the stereotypical game of this year is, you know, the offense, you know, you know, no, it's no fault of the coaches, really, even the players. It's just adjusting to the new teams we're playing, but, Offense didn't do much, and the defense could only hold on for so long. Um, and, you know, that works against an Eastern Michigan or a UTEP. It doesn't work very well against Liberty. So No, not at all. Um, and maybe a lot of it had to do with, you know, both of our QB1s going down. Um, I don't know how much the game plan had to change because I don't know how much um, – of the playbook, you know, Fry was comfortable with in game action. So, and especially, you know, with him playing, I think he played the entire second half. Um, with him having to play so much and, you know, not knowing what the playbook was for him, maybe that had a lot to do with it. And we just had to ride with what we got and had to see what happened. But, yeah, it that disparity just isn't going to work for a team like Liberty. Yeah. Um, look, Liberty, they probably go undefeated this year. They just, I think they have, I think FPI gives them a 75 plus percent chance to win every game um, after this Western Kentucky game. And even then, I think they're in the 60s for this game. So odds yeah. are Liberty sitting there 12 and 0 conference championship. Um, look, if our, if our one conference loss this year, ends up being to Liberty, um, I think we're in pretty good shape. Yeah, if if our – like you said, if our one conference loss is Liberty, especially in year one in this conference when um, I think the conference preseason poll had a seventh only ahead of uh, Sam Houston and I believe it was FIU, um, then yeah um, – I'll take it. If we get out of here with one conference loss, because um, Liberty is just one of those teams where, you know, if, if they beat you, it, it's almost like you. there's nothing you can really do as far as, like, like yeah, you can be upset that you lost because you always want to win, but it's not an embarrassing loss by any means. No, look, I mean, preseason – that was the one game I kind of looked – besides South Carolina, that was the one game I looked at and said, yeah, we probably lose that game. And it has nothing to do with us. It's everything to do with Liberty's good football team. So, you know, I'm nothing to shame – nothing to be ashamed about it at all because, I mean, look, the guys fought. It just came down to not having the, the legs at the moment. Yeah, and I believe 
you know, in any other year going forward, you know, we'd be in the driver's seat to have a rematch. And I think we could beat them in said rematch. But, you know, being in year two of the transition and not being eligible for the conference championship, we don't get we don't get that pleasure of looking forward to a rematch. But, you know, uh, I, I'm definitely looking forward to that game next year up in Virginia. Oh, yeah. Yeah, it's going to be a fun atmosphere. I, I'm definitely going to try and see if I can somehow, some way make it to that game. Yeah, that might, depending on what our schedule is, that might have to be, be our road trip for the year. Yeah, I'm just hoping that one, you know, lands on the weekend. Although we don't have many weekend conference slots, I'm just hoping we get lucky and that one lands on the weekend. Yeah, it can be September or November. If it's October, we probably ain't making that trip. Nah. But, uh, but uh, look, it is what it is. I mean, took an L, and, we and you know, I think you'd be jaded if you went in thinking that we were going to win that game by, by multiple scores anyways. But then, you know, you like you said, lose Zion, lose Logan, and that, and that's the ball game. So, but it is what it is. Move on. And, of course, we had another game about a week later that ended up going a lot better. Oh, yeah. I will say one of the bright sides to the Liberty game is we finally, finally, finally got a whiteout. Fans have been begging for a whiteout or a blackout for the longest. And it seems like the athletic department, rightfully so, waited for the biggest game of the year to finally break out not only the white helmets, but bringing back the retro logo on the white helmets. Yeah, man, that... I hate that we wore them and then got beat by two tutties, but at the same time, it's going to come back, and I am I bet you we win the next one. Oh, yeah. And honestly, I even, even though we lost, I still love it because uh, a lot of our older JSU fans can remember the, the Digicamo alternate unis and uh, – those those are those are something else. <laughs> so to go from that digital camo to this whiteout, especially with the retro logo, it, it was it was so clean. Man, what a fever dream of a uniform that was. <laughs> yeah, no kidding. And I mean, honestly, this this retro throwback logo is everybody's not only loving it online. I mean, you know, both of us. We went to get personalized before the game. The shirts with the logo on it, the hats, the long sleeve shirts, the sweatshirts, they were all, you know, flying off the shelves before the game that day. And they had just gotten in, I think, like six hours before kickoff. So, I mean, everybody's loving it. I know the the people over at Get Personalized said – all of that merch is here to stay. So if you didn't get a chance to grab it, it a it'll be here for a while. You definitely want to go grab it because it's nice. So I will say, um, you know, you're talking about get personalized and what they're putting out. Um, we have seen rumors they may be putting out some striped uh, overalls. Oh, dude. If they if they go through and pull out the striped overalls, one, I hope somehow they get them in before November fourth. But two, I I'm dropping the sixty five dollars to go grab a pair. I don't care. 
yeah, I, I think I might be dropping that money too. Uh, it's a turn down that opportunity. Yeah, I'm just really hoping. I, I, I'm sure they won't, but I'm just really hoping they drop before November 4th because being able to be obnoxious in William Bre- Williams Bryce Stadium and those overalls would be fun. At the very least, I hope they drop before alumni reunion on November 18th. Man, if we show up to a reunion dress like that, it's going to be another level. <laughs> oh, yeah. But, I mean, as always, if you ever need game day gear, get personalized. And they're not paying us to say this. Um, yeah, they aren't. This, they, no free shout-outs, but this is a free shout-out. They just have always taken great care of not only us, but all JSU fans, and especially the Southerners. We know every fall they get absolutely bombarded with uh, Southerners jackets, orders, and arena uh, jerseys, and drum major jerseys, and arena jackets. So, like, yeah, huge shout-out to them. They make sure everybody's well taken care of. And they make sure to keep Gamecock Nation looking good on game days. Yeah, so so stop by and get personalized. This is not an ad, uh, but stop by and get personalized anyway. So, all right, well, I guess let's talk about this Western Kentucky game. Um, so, first of all, um, Western Kentucky fans, we love you. Promise we do. But this is what y'all get for complaining about the conference and acting like y'all are going to be above everyone else. You lost a game to a first-year FPS team, so deal with it. Oh, yeah. Um, obviously, there were some Liberty fans that were like, I wish you know we had gotten an invite from Sunbelt. But I haven't seen – and I'm not saying all of them because you know we have some really chill uh, Western Kentucky fans over on the Twitter page. But there were definitely some that don't necessarily interact with us that I saw that were just obnoxious about, you know, this conference is so beneath us and, you know, this is such an easy conference and we're going to go undefeated and we're going to, you know, show the Sun Belt why they should be sorry they didn't invite us, this and that. And I I didn't see that last week. No, that, I mean, that's the case of a team that – I don't – oh, yeah, it's not on the team – I mean, they, they, I mean, you play the game that's put in front of you. Um, but we all saw on Twitter fans, and it's not all, like you said, it's not all Western Kentucky fans, but a large portion of the West, of Western Kentucky fan base talking about how um, they were above the Conference USA, how they're, they're a Sunbelt team or even potentially an American Conference team. Um, um, and as we've seen, look, Western Kentucky – is in third place in the conference right now, um, and in danger of slipping more. Yeah, they've. I mean, they'll they'll play Liberty this week, and if I'm correct, they could drop to as low as fourth, depending on how things go. Yeah, I think they could drop to as low as fourth or fifth, but by by the time the season is done and over with, I think they could finish as low as like fourth or fifth. Uh, which. Look, I'll be honest. I thought Western Kentucky was either going to win this conference or finish second, and there's no guarantee that they even make the conference championship game. So, it, you know, it, credit to the conference as a whole being a lot more even than I thought it would. I really thought it was going to be a top-heavy conference. And, you know, I mean, we're looking at, at JSU in year one of the FPS – 
you know, we're, we're we might run her up in year one. So, oh yeah, um, I mean, Liberty could possibly lose this week, and then you know, win out, and in any other year, you're looking at a, a two way tie. Obviously, with them getting the tiebreaker, you're looking at a two way tie atop Conference USA. Um, between a first year team and uh, and well, I guess Liberty is also first year in CUSA, but they've been around FBS a little bit longer. Um, but yeah, I mean the the way the standings are shaking out, it's definitely a little bit surprising up to this point. Um, especially considering how some of the CUSA teams started the season. Yeah. Um. And I'll, I mean, I'll say this. There are a lot of teams in the conference that I actually thought were going to be better. I thought Eastern Michigan was going to be better. I thought uh, San Houston would be better. Um, I thought Western Kentucky, like I said, would be better. And I thought teams like Louisiana Tech and even um, FIU would be better. And as a whole, it just feels like the conference, I don't want to say has gone down, but it feels like – it just feels like it, as, a, as a whole there's been a lot more parity. So you've just seen a lot more teams lose games that you wouldn't think they would. Yeah. Um... Sam Houston being winless so far this season is just I obviously from from our perspective I I love that they didn't beat us but it's just kind of it's shocking if you're a Sam Houston fan because they've had several games now where they were in the driver's seat up through the like up through the beginning of the fourth quarter and then some way somehow everything just breaks down and, you know, what can go wrong does go wrong for them. And either they lose in overtime or on a last second score from the opposing team or, you know, right there with one or two minutes left, Um, which really sucks, you know, going in your first year, having been a fairly dominant team in the FCS and coming into what is considered the weakest a group of five conference and then just not being able to come away with a win so far. Um, and where they're sitting at now, they don't even have a chance to be possibly considered for a bowl game because they've already lost seven. Um, not that it was automatic this year anyway, because they're in the same position we are, but to just already be looking at, you know, a losing season, I, I know that that has to hurt. Yeah, for sure. Um, I'll tell you what, though. Um, you know, we we did that podcast preseason. You know, I think we both – I don't know about you predict – I think I predicted, what, five and seven, and you maybe six and six. Yeah, somewhere around that. Um, and, you know, I was doing the math. You know, we we have a real chance, obviously, one to win nine games. You know, if we go into South Carolina, and I'm not saying we're going to beat South Carolina. I'm not saying that. But let's say we go beat South Carolina. We finish the season five and zero. Oh, we go ten and two, which would be insane. And I don't care what anybody would say about us playing in CUSA and being in a weaker conference. The thing is, if we were to come in year one and go ten and two over teams that have been FBS for a good little bit, no matter what, no matter if it's a weaker conference or not, ten and two in year one against established FBS schools is insanely impressive. 
Yes, it's not the same as James Madison going eight and three in the Sun Belt last year because the Sun Belt is its own, you know, different beast. Um, but ten and two, first year FBS, like I said, against established schools, it, it would be insane, and nobody could take anything away from that, no matter how hard they tried. Yeah, yeah, absolutely. Um, all right, well, I guess. You know, talking about the Western Kentucky game, I really only have one point to hit besides obviously it was a huge win for the program. Gets us to five and two on the year. Um, no, six and two. <laughs> I, was saying. I did I did that math wrong. Six and two. Um uh gets us six and two. Um we only have one loss in conference and we're gonna be favored in the in, in our last three conference games. Um my only, my only real comment is what is going on with Zion at quarterback? Dude, I, I don't know. Um, maybe it's like uh, that syndrome or disease where, you know, if you experience trauma enough, you suddenly wake up and you're just the best person ever. Maybe the Liberty game, they hit him so hard that, you know, he woke up and he was like, nobody can stop me. Um, even if you slam my head into the turf, I don't feel anything. Um, I'm going to just get back up and keep going. Because there were definitely some some hits and some tackles in the, the Western Kentucky game where not only us, but I saw you know a couple of fans on Twitter just being like, that dude does not look like he should be taking any more hits to the head or you know uh, slamming his head on the turf anymore. So maybe whatever happened in that Liberty game just gave him superhuman strength. And, you know, he's just like, yeah, I don't feel anything. What was that? Yeah, I, I will say we had an unsubstantiated report that he may have thrown up at the game. Um, that was my first – that was kind of the one that popped the red flag to me. I didn't think he'd play the entire second half after that, and yet he comes in and – just again goes nuts. I mean, I was doing the math. He had one forty six on the ground, I think, on his own. Another two twenty through the air, um, and all that with probably eight kinds of concussions over the last two weeks. Um, hey, look, I'm this is, this is only this is only mostly a joke. But if that's what it takes for him to play well, maybe we should hit him in the head with a hammer before. <laughs> he Dog, I don't know. I mean. I for him I hate that it's somewhat of a wasted season if we don't get a bowl game this year. Um but to be going out like this, you, you kinda can't be upset if you're him. Um especially with all the injuries and the stuff that he's had to deal with and the last coaching staff, which while he was here was not the best. Um you know, to be able to go out there one more year after getting that waiver, he you can tell he's not going to let anything stop him. He's going to play through, you know, whatever he's medically cleared to play through. Um, but, I mean, yeah, he – I don't know what it was. Like I said, maybe he just got hit hard enough to where he, he just doesn't feel anything anymore because uh, the average person – with some of those hits he took in that game, they they would have threw in the towel after, you know, hit one or two and, and been done. Yeah, yeah, for sure. Um, 
and man, even you know, even late in the game when they're just trying to run the clock down, he took a snap and they were just trying to center it, and he got slammed against the ground even then. I'm like, he cannot find a way to avoid hits. It's a lot like Jaden Daniels a few weeks ago when every week he was getting hit. He was getting hit hit hard every week, like it was Vontez Perfect coming after him. Um, but um, man, I don't know. Obviously, we'll see this week. My only question is whether or not he actually plays. Um, I'm sure the biggest concern was that, is that we we're facing a really good Western Kentucky team. Um, I really am wondering: does he actually play this week? And do we see? Logan, or do we see you know Ashton Fry or Tayshawn, or or does Zion actually play? Honestly, who knows? the The way this season has gone with the quarterback room, we could walk out, we could walk out on the field come Wednesday, and there's a fifth guy that nobody even knew about. The Rich Rod's like, yeah, this dude's ready. Uh, I, I like what I saw at practice this week. We're gonna throw him in there. Um, the man is crazy, but he knows what works. Yeah, the dude is an absolute psychopath of a coach, and I love it. So, I mean, um, if it if it wasn't for him, I don't know if the cardiac Cox would exist this season. Because uh, no, uh, no, not at all. Because we have had some massive turnarounds, which including this game, you know, maybe not as massive of a turnaround, but the the first half of the Western Kentucky game and the second half of the Western Kentucky game, two. Yet again, two totally different teams showed up. Yep. I mean, even you know, you look at Liberty, they actually came out of the half playing pretty well, but two straight drives, we lost our best QBs. Um, so you really can't even blame that on Rich Rod. It's just the matter that's just how the circumstance goes. But yeah, it seems like every game, the second half adjustments have, have been better and better every week. Um, uh, still got to give credit to Zach Alley. Man, what a defensive coordinator. Dude, our our defense is absolutely insane. Um, just some of the plays they're able to make, um, that, that defensive line just making the quarterback's life complete hell from the first snap all the way into the clock's hit triple zero. I, I'm going to say it right now. I don't think Zach Alley stays past this year. Obviously, who knows? Maybe he's feeling Jacksonville. Maybe he's feeling Jacksonville State. And, you know, he rides it out a little bit longer. But I would not blame that man because I know there are some P5 schools that are going to come calling and they're going to bring um, – they're going to bring, you know – every bit of money they can and just drop it on the table. Yeah, absolutely. I hope they do too because, look, I haven't seen a defense that's good at JSU since 2015. Um, I mean, really, I haven't. Um, you know, even teams like 2019, 2020 with Nicario Harper, we weren't making this many plays. No. Um, it seems like every week – Whenever our offense is kind of stalling out, our defense is right there, you know, keeping us alive, keeping us going. Um, and uh, like I said, a lot of that is because of Zach Alley um, and, you know, the plays and the schemes that he's drawn up. But I, I, just, I, I can't complain if he leaves. I just can't. 
it it would suck, but the man has proven that you know he is legit. Yeah, no kidding. Um, all right, well, I guess um, next up, I guess we got to talk about the uh, um, the Brett McMurphy um, soft bomb that we got this morning on bull projections. Well, before that, obviously, you know, we got the win over Western Kentucky, but the reason we did. Oh, yeah. Can't forget AK-47, Mr. Automatic. The man slipped. He lost his footing on his plant leg and still somehow made a 41-yarder. I I don't think – I don't know if people understand just how hard it is to, like, completely slip on your plant leg and still make a 41-yard field goal. I um, When I used to kick in high school, the longest I ever hit was 46, and it took everything I had. So for him to have basically no kinetic energy in his body um, and still hit from 41, and it looked like it was good from five or six yards still. Yeah, he could have hit a 45-yarder on that. I, I mean, that's pretty impressive because, again, he had nothing – I mean, it's like when you when you let a spring loose and now there's nothing left in it. He lost all energy in his body and he still had enough to get it there. That's it's insane. Yeah, I mean, I mean, and as we saw, he would have had the chance to run it back because there was an offsides penalty, which would have made it a 36 and would have made it even that much more automatic for him. Um, But he, we didn't even need the flag. Um, That man really just. Somehow, some way, made the forty-one yarder while slipping, and just th- that was a good one. I mean, pretty much every, pretty much everybody on Twitter was was losing their minds. We got a a, a minute long shout out from Pat McAfee because that man. I mean, he's a punter, but he knows the mechanics of kicking very well, and he was he couldn't understand it either. Yeah. Look, Pat McAfee, that's a Rich Rod man. You know he's going to keep riding for us. Um, But a minute-long video on Twitter, five minutes after the game ends. I mean, you know, I think we were talking after the game. We were watching our program become a national brand almost overnight. Oh, yeah. And it's mostly because of Pat McAfee. Yeah, it's insane. It's a mix of the the football team being the cardiac Cox. Us having midweek football where nobody else is watching any other games. Um, and then the icing on the cake is Pat McAfee, who has, you know, multinational reach, constantly tweeting about us and giving us shout outs on college game day on the Pat McAfee show. Um, it makes people want to tune in. Um, and as Rich Rod said after one of our comebacks, I can't remember which one, are you not entertained? Um, because pretty much every game you tune into for JSU, it's it's gonna be a fun, exciting football game from start to finish. Yep. I mean, now more often than not, sometimes maybe you just want to turn it on around you know nine nine o'clock, let it get to the second half. But um, man, second half Cox, that is a that is a conference championship winning team. Yeah. Now we just got to find some way somehow to get Pat McAfee down to Jacksonville. 
I, I know his show follows College Game Day. You know, they do the show whatever city College Game Day is in. Uh, I, I just need him some way, somehow, to get to Jacksonville for a game or, or just show up to one of our games in general. Um, I, I'd love to see Pat McAfee in a bowl game if, if we do get one. I'd love it. Um, I don't know what it's going to take. It may take Rich Rod picking up the phone, but it's got to happen. <laughs> Uh, yeah. Um, but before we get to, you know, talking about said bowl game, a, uh, Alan Karadzic, AK-47, and Zion both got Conference Player of the Week, Special Team and Offensive Player of the Week, and uh, yet another kind of just punching them out to all the, the doubters and CUSA and in general. We just keep racking up these Conference Player of the Week awards, um, you know, week in and week out. It it just goes to show, no matter if you're a, a year one team or a year 25 team in the FBS, it, what matters is can your players show up? And we've proven time and time again that our players are showing up. Yep. And, you know, I think one of the things is it just – it feels like, you know, I don't know if – it's not a talent thing. I'm not I mean, I'm not saying that Zion Webb is the most talented quarterback in the conference – um, but he's probably one of the grimiest players in the conference. Um, I mean, he, he, as we saw this last game, when he probably took four hits to the head that he really didn't need to and he still kept playing, he just doesn't give up. And that's that's kind of what you need when you've got a talent gap is you need guys who've got a lot more fight than the guys across the line. Yeah, and I think a lot of that also is fueled by coaching um, because – not to you know throw names out there or anything, but our last coaching staff just it seemed like when the guys wanted to give up, they just let them give up. Um, and when it comes to this coaching staff, I don't even know if the guys have that give up mentality because you know from day one, Rich Rod walked in there and he kind of—I mean, not kind of—you can see he scared some guys off because as I have seen in a lot of player interviews from day one, you know, he came in and raised the bar and, you know, reset the standards super high. Um, so there was no even coming in with the, the semblance of having a give up mentality. Um, so I think a lot of credit, you know, goes to him and his coaching staff just because we, like I said, we've seen from, from prior coaches that it's not always a given whether you have the talent or not. Yeah, and I'll tell you what, the, that's kind of the one thing about a Rich Rod coach team is you're really not allowed to be on his teams if you if you don't have that 60-minute mentality. Um, um, I hate to quote a certain former Auburn football coach who shall not be named, but um, it takes a fourth-and-one mentality. It, it takes being willing to line up and know that you're going to physically dominate the guy across from you even if they're better than you. So, yeah, but I mean, you know, I, I, I just, I love it. We, as a fan base, we just had to deal with a lot of bull crap for lack of a better term of just knowing we had the talent to be better. We should have been, you know, making deep playoff runs and even getting, you know, to, to the national championship in the FCS, you know, more than we were, more than the one season 
Um, and to now finally have a coach where, you know, we're going to be completely realistic and transparent. We're not shooting for national championship game. Um, not in the conference we're in, not scheduling the, you know, the non-conference opponents that we are, but just coming in and, you know, pretty much just, we're going to play a bowl game. That seems like that's the mentality, you know, we're going to win the conference. We're going to play, play a bowl game. Um, and it's nice to see that, that they're not taking, you know, they're not taking crap. No, not one bit. All right. Well, you know, speaking of bowl games, um, we had a little bit of a of a news bomb this morning from I believe it was Brett McMurphy, right? Yep, Brett McMurphy. Uh, this morning, and well, not this morning. We'll say earlier this afternoon. He basically predicted that he only sees right now seventy eight fully eligible um, college football teams being bowl eligible come season's end, which leaves four spots. And uh, as of right now, there are two teams that are not automatically eligible, us and James Madison, that would fill in those first two spots. And he currently has us predicted to play against South Alabama. Um, Can't remember the exact name of the bowl. Let me pull it up right here. I know it's in Mobile, but I don't remember the name. The 68 Ventures Bowl in Mobile on December 23rd. So, yeah, I mean, should that trend keep up? And I've even – I've seen some other predictions that have even less teams. I've seen some predictions that have said 72 to 74 teams making it. Um, so, I mean, as of right now, it's looking, it's looking real bright that us and James Madison will get our shot to play, you know, play past week 12. Yeah, man. And I'll tell you what, um, if we were to get put into a bowl game, you know, within, you know, that distance of Jacksonville, JSU fans will travel. They'll travel oh, yeah. for, that, for that first bowl game. I know I'll be there. Um, I don't really care what day it is. I'll, I'll take the two days off and I'll go. I... <laughs> We say driving distance, and I've seen some people that have softly predicted the Camellia Bowl. And as as great of an accomplishment as making a bowl game is, I am praying to the football gods, I will sacrifice whatever I have to sacrifice, that we do not end up back in Montgomery. Um, because JSU fans have had to sit in that stadium <laughs> for way too many games. Uh, in the FCS kickoff when it seemed like they loved to just plug us in there because we were right down the road. Obviously, our fans will still travel. And, you know, we'll still, you know, show up and show out. But I am hoping and praying. I would rather get the Birmingham Bowl and be in protective than have to drive to Montgomery again. Man, and I'll tell you what. Um, <laughs> having gone to Auburn High School, I played – two to three games a year in that stadium. Um, so I've probably had close to 15 games in, Cram- in Crampton Bowl. And like you said, I think enough is enough. <laughs> um, and it's rare I've been there where it's been a good experience in terms of how my team has played. So, yeah. yeah, I think I think I need a new 
I, I would love to avoid Montgomery if, if at all possible. And, and I would especially love to avoid that stadium because even though we were the home team in every game there, they always put us on the away side, or we always elected to sit on the away side. And I know that if we were to get that bowl game, we would be the away team, and I doubt the other team would choose to sit on that side. So we'd be sitting right in the same seats we've been sitting in year in and year out. Yeah, that that's going to be enough for me, dog. Hey, but, I mean, I'll take a bowl game wherever we can get it. Um, like we both said, would definitely prefer for it to be driving distance, um, which luckily being in Alabama, there's a good bit of bowl games, you know, in the Carolinas, Tennessee, Alabama itself, Louisiana, Florida, um, a, a lot of states where, you know, driving the night before or, you know, a day or two before is 100% feasible. Um, you know, not having to worry about getting a, a flight. Um, so, yeah, we just kind of have to handle – I say handle business. We we already have handled our business the most we can as far as the bowl game goes. You know, now it's just a matter of going ahead and playing out the season so that, you know, if a little bit of a higher bowl game comes available, you know, we can get that call. Obviously, we're not looking at anything super, super high, but – you know, anything to get just a little bit more national coverage. Yeah. And, you know, I hate that we, that we, which I'm trying to remember which bowl game it was that they took away from us. Was it the Cincy Bowl? Yeah. The Cincinnati Bowl was proposed and initially it was looking like it was going to be granted, but the NCAA, which, According to the projections right now, the NCAA rightfully said we want to make sure you know bowl games are only you know six and or you know six wins or more teams. Um, so they they decided to shelve it for now. It, it wasn't a complete and total like no forever going forward, especially you know adding new teams coming up here soon. Um, but it, it's not a new one this year. If it was, we would one hundred percent be looking at a bowl game. Oh yeah, no question. Because I don't, I don't know that we'd have enough conference slates to fill them up. So, but uh, hey, it is but, what it is. Like you said, getting a bowl game in general would be huge. As we're long making, as it's not, you know, as long as it's not the Bahamas or anything like that. Well, it can be the Bahamas because it ain't even in Bahamas. The Bahamas this year. Oh yeah, that's true. <laughs> uh, which that game is going to. A, you know, a CUSA team. Um, initially, it's probably going to be Liberty, but the fact that it's not in the Bahamas this year, I I doubt they'll pick the number one team. Liberty will probably be paying, playing in New Orleans, um, depending on how Tulane and Air Force shake out. But, you know, we'll take the bowl game wherever. It for us, it, it won't be nearly as depressing as it will for our friends over at James Madison because they're looking at a season where they would 100% be fighting, you know, right there with Air. I think they're only two or three spots back from Air Force and Tulane. They would be fighting for a spot on December 31st or January 1st. Yeah. Um, that New Orleans Bowl would be a good game. Um, 
to think, obviously, not being, you know, officially bowl eligible probably means we won't go there. But um, still, whoever gets there, are going to have a grand old time. Oh, yeah. I'm, I'm looking forward to, you know, next year, hopefully having just as good of a season, um, you know, playing in the conference championship and looking at, you know, one of those bowls, looking at New Orleans or Bahamas. Um, I would hope and pray that we get New Orleans just because that's much more feasible and a lot easier to do. Um, but obviously getting to play in the Bahamas would be huge for the players. Yeah. But like you said, I mean, it is what it is, you know, take what you get because beggars can't really be choosers. No, we, <laughs> unlike the, the state of Virginia legislature, we understand that we agreed to the rules and, you know, we're just going to take what we can get um, and slide on out of here. We're not trying to sue the NCAA for a contract that we signed. Don't you love the consequences of your own actions? Yeah. And I mean, we, we despise the NCAA as a body as much as the next person, but like, like we said on Twitter, and like we said in the group chat, we understand, you know, rules are rules. We actually, this is karma, as we have joked about. We benefited from the NCAA's stupid rules because Bellarmine beat us in the ASUN basketball tournament. But because they had just moved up uh, two years, be- or that was only their second year moved up in basketball, I think is a three-year waiting period. They weren't allowed to go to the to the dance. So us winning the regular season, we got, you know, thrown in there. So, and as much as we benefited, I said it was a stupid rule then. Um, and here we are again, same situation. NCAA has a stupid rule. And I get the, the old-timey reasons, but, you know, we agreed to it. It's stupid. I hate the NCAA, but we got to ride with it. Yeah, but, you know, like you said, it's just karma for us taking Bellarmine's spot away. Yeah, we caught a lot of crap back then from ASUN fans and college basketball fans in general. Um, and I, the, the funny thing is I think most people have forgotten about it by now, but we definitely have not because I've seen a lot of JSU fans joke about, you know, this being karma. Um but we, hey, all that means is we got to repeat it next year. We saw how you know James Madison they went eight and three last year when you know with them taking a different route they played a full FBS slate. They went eight and three last year, and right now they're on track to go undefeated. Hey, we can turn around next year. I don't know what our other conference slate is looking like, but we can turn around next year and go undefeated ourselves. Yeah, we could. Uh, but other than that, I think it's time to look forward to this week's game. Yeah, we got um, traveling a, down a to Miami. We, we, yeah, a little trip, a little down to South Beach for a team that we're actually pretty familiar with. We played them in twenty twenty and twenty twenty one. Yeah, um, I believe, and won both times. Sure did. We were fully still FCS then. Um, and beat them back to back years. Um, and now, albeit that was with uh, 
That was with Zarek Cooper at QB. Uh, I think both games, actually. I can't remember for sure, but I think you're right. I know he was at least the QB one both years. I know one of those seasons he had dealt with some injury problems, but I do believe he was the quarterback for both of those games. Yeah, I'm trying to remember which year um, he was hurt and Zion was the starter and if that was for that game or not. But I feel like Zarek started for it. Probably. Either way, I mean, Zarek has seen not this team specifically because it's been some years, but he has seen that school twice now. Um, And obviously we have a new coaching staff. I'm not sure if they have a new coaching staff, but we, we know we have the capability of winning, you know, going, going down there and winning. Um, And especially looking at how we've played so far this season, I have no doubt in my mind that we can go down there and, hopefully put together, you know, a full 60 minutes and come out with a comfortable win, you know, from start to finish. It's about time for for us to start and not take our foot off the pedal. Yeah, I mean, I think the closest we've gotten to that was Eastern Michigan. Um, I, I just want a conference a conference game where we go in and, you know, start to finish, no doubt in our minds. We just take care of business and, you know, not have to worry and call ourselves a cardiac cox for a week. Yeah, look, cardiac cox are great for national TV, but they're not great for our heart health. So, <laughs> not at all. The cardiac cox are going to cause cardiac arrest one of these days. <laughs> but I mean,. <laughs> <laughs> Looking at FIU, they're four and four on the season. Um, lost to Louisiana Tech to open the season. They beat Maine, beat North Texas, beat UConn. Lost pretty bad to Liberty, and then lost to New Mexico State and Utah. Uh, and then turned around and came away with a double overtime thriller against, of course, Sam Houston. Yeah, um, I look. I think this is the week. I really do. I've said it over and over again. One of these times, it's going to be right. Um, I think this is the week that we finally put together a full game. It, now, it comes down to one thing. It comes down to our QBs deciding they're not going to look like some brain dead, you know, Siamese cats um, in the first half. But if we can get through that first half with some offense, I think we're in good shape. I, I really need this to be the week because um, I, I want us to have some sort of momentum, something to build off of, because we're going to have a week and a half of downtime after, you know, having that short week between, you know, or no, not the short week, because I think we came off a of bye week before we started our midweek games. Oh, no, we didn't. We had Saturday to Thursday. So after coming off, you know, the short week heading into the October games, now we have a week and a half before South Carolina. Um, that's a lot of downtime between two games when you don't have a bye week. Um, so we, we really need to just build a lot of momentum, and I hope we can, like you said, finally come out in the first half firing and continue it. Because the Liberty game, we came out firing in the first half, and they were hot, and they were you know rolling but then the quarterback injuries happen. I just want us to come out hot in the first half and sustain it and just have something to build off of. And 
a lot to look forward to going into Columbia. Yeah, for sure. Um, and obviously, you know, I'm not going to go so far to say we beat South Carolina, but if we if we come out uh, Wednesday night and we put together the game that we need, a lot of people are going to be asking the question, can we go into Columbia and do it? Which is, you know, honestly is a very valid question looking at how South Carolina has struggled this year and also looking at the history of, you know, Jack State, especially in the recent history of going into these SEC stadiums and either coming away with the win or, and not only SEC, but just, you know, Power Five stadiums in general and either coming away with the upset win or, you know, putting up a fight right to the very end because we beat Ole Miss, should have beat Auburn. Um, that LSU game was pretty competitive for about two and a half, three quarters. Um, and then, of course, everybody remembers the Florida State game, um, which we played them twice. The first game, we honestly should have won. And then the second game, we won on the Hail, the Hail Mary. Um, so, uh, yeah, JSU has a very, uh, a very solid history of going into these Power 5 stadiums and not making it an easy, you know, cupcake win. Yep. But, you know, we'll get it. It's going to be what it's going to be. Uh, just got to trust Rich Rod. At the end of the day, I mean, we've, we've what, played three conference road games, I think. This, no, two conference road games at this point, San Houston um, and Middle Tennessee. Both games in the second half, we've come out on fire. And I'd argue that our worst football is behind us. Um, I really hope our worst football is behind us. Um, obviously, you know, first year FBS is going to come with some growing pains, and we have seen the highs and the lows of the first year, what some people would call beginner's luck, um, and then what some people would call your, you know, welcome to the FBS moments. Um, yeah, I I would, considering, you know, first half, second half, First half of the season compared to the second half of the season, I I think we are you know going to be those cardiac cocks and just go away you know go out firing um, and come away with hopefully you know four out of four wins, but at the very least three out of four. Yeah, I mean three out of the four puts us at nine and three, which is around four games better than I think everyone predicted. And look, I'm not saying that that's way more than if we were near the conference that um that Sunbelt is. But last year, um James Madison went eight and three. Yeah. And I'm not again not saying that this conference is as good as the Sunbelt is. But if we were to go nine and three, that puts us on the same kind of track that they are. Yeah, one hundred percent. Um which goes back to what I was saying earlier, you know, first year in general against established teams, nine and three is nine and three is nine and three, no matter what you want to say. If it was so easy, then all the schools in the conference would be, you know, sitting looking at nine and three right now. Fact of the matter is they're not. Um, I mean, we got UTEP, MTSU, FIU sitting at, Two and six, two and six, and then FIU is four and four. 
all are one in three in the conference. Um, FIU is one in four in the conference. So, like, no matter what people say, you know, CUSA is weak, this and that. Yeah, yeah, y'all might be ninth. Y'all might be, you know, sitting right now at six and two, but y'all play in CUSA. It's like, yeah, but you still have to go out there and win every single day, no matter what. Um, so, yeah, looking at the possibility of nine and three is, is huge for us. And like I said earlier, I'm not letting anybody take away what a massive success this season has been up to this point. Yeah, I'm not either. I mean, we firmly deserve everything that we've earned, and I'm hoping, you know, we at least get a chance here in two weeks to really prove it to everyone. Oh, yeah. Um, you know, if if we come away – never want to look past an opponent, but if we come away with a win this week and then at the very least make it a tight game, you know, into the fourth quarter – in South Carolina, I think we will finally start to gain a little bit of respect. Of course, it it'll it sucks that they're having the season that they're having because people will be like, yeah, but that's not the usual South Carolina. Um, we're going to hear that bull crap no matter how much we like it. Um, but, you know, if we handle business this week and either come away with a win or make it a really close game, you know, in two weeks and then finish out the season with back-to-back wins – there's there's nothing you can do but you know show respect. Yeah, no question. And if you're a Gamecock fan, if that if that happens, especially if we finish ten and two, you you brace for whoever on the coaching staff is leaving. Yeah, and you know we I mean we've talked about it in the chat. Zach Alley would not be surprised if he, if he lands a Power Five coaching gig as an defensive coordinator. And it's not just us saying that either. I've seen Power 5 fans that have said, you know, I would love to have him on our coaching staff. Um, A lot of people think what he's doing would translate, you know, to Power 5 schools and that level of competition. Yeah, and then, you know, to to go even further. um, Don't you dare. (laughs) (laughs) Uh, we've seen some West Virginia fans um, starting to turn turn around on Rich Rod, and I tell you what, it, it's a lot easier to say you like someone when they're winning games. Um, but we ain't forgot what y'all have said about him. We know that y'all don't like him. Stop acting like you like you actually like him. Yeah, uh, seeing uh, seeing a couple of those guys, especially after the Western Kentucky win, looking in the comment section of. Uh, Pat McAfee's video, I, I just saw a bunch of West Virginia fans. Just, Pat, is there any way you can get him to come back to West Virginia? Or just, we need this guy back at West Virginia. He's he's legit and this and that. But I will never forget whenever we first announced him, just seeing all the comments under uh, Jack State football posts, Jacksonville State athletics posts of, you know, fans of the various schools he coached at just saying y'all won't be so happy you know once y'all get to fbs because he's a fraud this and that and just to see that at least one of those fan bases is trying to walk it back and you know beg him to come back it, it it's funny it, it 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 truly is rich um and we're going to remind you about that west virginia fans just just letting you know 
We will remind you every game that we win and y'all say that you want them back. We've got the receipts of y'all saying that you hate them. Just remember that. Oh, yeah, 100%. But, I mean, I'm going to take Rich Rod at his word. Um, I know both of us were at his introductory press conference. He said he's here for the long haul. Um, he's not just here to you know make a statement during the transition in the first couple of years and leave. Um, so, you know, I'm going to take him at his word. Obviously, coaches say things, and then, you know, a little bit later they're gone. Looking at you, Nick Saban, uh, love you. But, uh, you know, he, he said he's here for the long haul, and he's he at the time he wasn't necessarily – looking to go back power five. So if all of that is true, then, you know, we have a a long period of success ahead of us, um, which hopefully means putting some more trophies and rings in the trophy case uh, and taking a couple of postseason trips. Yeah, maybe these trophies will be real trophies. Hey, the last one was real too. It was. I I don't care what. The Atlantic Sun says the last trophy was real and it was bigger than theirs and we had rings so they can say what they want but uh, that last trophy was real and no matter what happens this year I know there will be no petty trophies made Um, if we get a bowl game I know some teams do bowl rings I'm not sure if Rich Rod would be one of those but it It'll be interesting to just see, you know, how the rest of the season shakes out. Yeah, for for sure. Um, I mean, other than that, this past weekend in college football was pretty exciting. Um, for those of you who don't know, outside of being a JSU fan first, I am roll tight all day. Um, and talk about a second half and and a team giving you a heart attack. Alabama in that first half just looked abysmal. Yeah, and it, it, it you give credit to Josh Heupel because he, he knows how to scheme up some points. Um, but I'm sorry, Tennessee fans. Y'all said all preseason that Joe Milton was going to be a Heisman winner. This dude ain't it. Dog, I mean – so I think the main problem with the first half is Bama was playing a lot of three-down uh, defensive linemen, and there was just no pressure at all on Milton. And when he has all day, yeah, he's going to carve you up, and he's going to look like um, like a Heisman winner. But then they finally switched to four-down and threw some more blitzes in there, and he just absolutely collapsed. Yeah, and, you know, it's it's not like Hinton Hooker – who also runs in the four sixes and and can make you pay when you send blitzes. Joe Bilton's a decent athlete, but he's not him and Hooker. Um, and on top of that, they don't have Cedric Tillman. They don't have Jalen Hyatt. Um, so, yeah, so, so Jalen Hyatt can't terrorize Alabama fans anymore. Um, they do have Squirrel White, which, dang, I I don't ever want to give Tennessee credit, but that, that touchdown catch. That's one of the best catches I've ever seen. Oh, yeah, 100%. But, I mean, I, I think that – and this is where I 
I knew that Tennessee was going to lose, even even when I lost faith a little bit. The second that Milton brought out the crane kick, I said, yeah, no, that, that's yeah. it. That's game. That's done and over with. You don't you do not do that one until you know the game is over with. Starting off the game with that, yeah, no. That's, mm-mm. Oh, man. Um Let's see what other games we did we have. We had uh, we had Washington barely hanging on by a thread with the help of the referees. God rest you, Arizona State. You gave it your best. And and honestly, they won. The refs are the refs had that bogus call um, right before the pick six. Um, yeah, Washington, I. As much as the Pac-12 is on their, you know, their their farewell tour and tearing it up so far, I don't think Washington is going to be it for them. No. Um, I still think Oregon's the best team in the conference. Um, maybe Utah. Um, um, Definitely not reason, USC. I, I, just, I think Oregon's the best team. Yeah, one hundred percent. Twentieth year starter starter Bo Nix um, has found some life on that team, and I know Auburn fans are kicking the ground, um, you know, hoping and praying somehow they had been able to keep him because we knew this is what he was capable of from the start. But of course, when you have incompetent coaches and incompetent offensive coordinators, you're not going to get the best out of your players. Um, but he has definitely had a resurgence and looks absolutely amazing in that offense. And the Ducks are not a team you can easily overlook right now. No, I mean, Wazoo came into Oregon. And honestly, I thought they were going to put up a fight. And Oregon played like the top team in the conference. They did what they were supposed to. So, yeah, that's uh, for sure. And then we, I tell you, you know, what, we had one of the ugliest games in college football history. We had Mississippi State and Arkansas. Oh, that wasn't nearly as ugly as the the six to nothing game. What was that? San Diego State, and I can't remember who else they were playing. Six yeah, we, to six to nothing. Yeah this this was a week for the sickos of college football. Yeah. Um, Obviously, everybody had been saying, uh, oh, San Diego State lost to Nevada 6-0. to uh, But obviously, everybody in college football this season has been saying how USC is a bunch of frauds. And this past week definitely proved that at least their defense is Swiss cheese. Mm-hmm. Because, I mean, Caleb Williams did what he had to do. And he put up a touchdown. Uh, let me see. I can't remember exactly how much time was left on the clock. Let's see. He put up a touchdown with a minute 46 left to go. They were up 32 to 31. If they had gotten the two-point conversion, it would have been 34-31, which would have been ideal for them. Minute 46, and then Bryson Barnes just came out there and I don't – dude had that dog in him and just absolutely lit that defense up. Um, at one point, there was like a third and 24, and he had a 21-yard run. T- 
to uh, to put them, you know, closer to field goal range. And I, I I mean, there was just nothing the defense could do to stop them, and then obviously they got the field goal to win it. Yeah, and I'll tell you what, this is oh I don't know eight straight years that Leak and Riley's defenses have been the reason they haven't been able to um, go all the way. Yeah, something like that, somewhere around there. Um, It almost is is beautiful to watch a coach have such an easy way to fix his team and just refuse to do it, and so he gets what he's got coming to him. Oh, yeah. Um, And a lot of people will say Caleb Williams has what he got coming for him too because, you know, he jumped ship at Oklahoma to follow – Lincoln Riley, and if he does what you know everybody predicts he'll do, he will finish his college career not winning a conference championship or making the playoffs, which is just insane for a Heisman winning quarterback and a quarterback of his ability. I just I hate it for him because he's my namesake, but man, I can't stand it. Yeah, I mean, if he had stayed at Oklahoma and played through the growing pains, he'd be sitting pretty right now. But sometimes you think the grass is greener on the other side. And as we saw from his very pained expression after the end of that game, it's not looking too green in Southern California. No, it is not. But, I mean, other than that, College football, it give it giveth and it taketh, and this weekend was a, a very, a very good iteration of that. Um, trying to think if there's anything else. Uh, I don't know that there is, to be honest. I don't. I don't think so either. Um, but yeah, I mean, Gamecocks are going to be in Miami this week, or not this weekend. I'm still getting used to the midweek. Um, which surprisingly was pretty good as far as home attendance went. I know we had 21,000 for Liberty, 17,000 roughly for Western Kentucky. So big props to Gamecock fans. But uh, we got one more midweek game. We're in Miami this week. And then a week and a half from now, the both of us as well as our squad, we're rolling 11 deep in the Williams-Brice Stadium in Columbia, South Carolina. Yeah, we're going to be leading the charge when it comes to belligerency, so y'all better be ready. Yeah, 100%. Uh, We did not get our tickets early enough to be in the JSU section, so we just get to annoy whoever is sitting around us, whether they be JSU fans who join in on it or, you know, pissing off South Carolina fans just for the heck of it. Look, I'm just trying to make sure that no one gets thrown out. That's all that's that's all that matters. Oh yeah, that's that, that's the biggest thing. Luckily they only sell beer and wine, so there's only so much <laughs> that we can do before the game. Um and then how we perform on the field will determine if it's happy drinking or sad drinking after the game. Man, look out, that's all I'm saying. Look out. Look out indeed, because um, when Rich Rod and the Gamecocks roll in the town, it ain't all, it ain't guaranteed you come away with a dub. No, that, that's that's all bets off. 
that being said, in Gamecock Nation, I know the softball team has played a couple of exhibition games. We're getting closer to softball season. Um, time It's about that time to see legendary coach McGinnis take the field, um, which is newly named after her, uh, take the field with those ladies and absolutely tear it up in this new conference. We're getting ever so closer to basketball season where we have two more legends on the on the hard court, Ray Harper and Coach Petrie. And uh, baseball is also right around the corner. Can't remember the new coach's name, but ready to see what he can do. It's going to be a good year for Gamecock sports, that's for sure. Oh, yeah. And CUSA is a pretty solid conference in all the sports, it seems. Um, so we got our work cut out for us. But I'm excited to see what we can do, you know, walking up in there. I'm, I don't think we have any transition rules. I know we don't for baseball. I mean, for basketball. I don't think we do for baseball or softball. I think it's just football because we were already considered to be at the top level for every other sport except football. Yeah, I think football is the only one where you have subdivisions even amongst D1 schools. Um, so we have, you know, no transition rules, nothing holding us back in all of our other sports. And as we have seen, we have the ability to walk into a new conference and turn everything up uh, upside down. And uh, I think we can continue that in all of our other sports this year and just put CUSA on notice uh, across the board. Um, definitely looking forward. Definitely going to try and show up to at least some basketball games. Maybe it'll work out, shake out to where, you know, there's a doubleheader of basketball and baseball. I know we had a couple of those in years past, you know, can catch both. Um, but, yeah, definitely want to try and get out and support some of our other sports. I'm just excited in general. Yeah, man, it's going to be a great year. And I know you and I are going to hit up some basketball games and maybe even a couple baseball games. So we're going to be around. Oh, yeah, 100%. Um, but other than that, I, I think we're done for the week. Yeah, I think so. Um, just y'all be ready to tune back in next week. Um, uh, where hopefully we may potentially have a guest uh, on the podcast working on that right now. Um, but if not, we'll be, we'll be here ready to go to – We'll be here and uh, be ready to give you all the report for the game. Yep. And as always, like we said earlier, Gamecock fans, if you're going to South Carolina, you got a week and a half. Get on over to get personalized. Well, actually, you got closer to two weeks right now. Get on over to get personalized. Get some of that ass-kicking chicken uh, merch. It, it looks really nice. And we got to show up and show out. When we're in Columbia, we all got to you know run deep together. So get over there, get some of your merch, and uh, we'll repeat the sentiment again next week, but we'll see you there. Indeed, indeed. Well, from the 700 Pelham Road Podcast, it's Caleb and it's Jalen, and we are signing off. See you.